0: This is Stay Tuned in Brief. I'm Preet Bharara. Today we're going to take a look at a highly charged debate, and it may not be the one you expect. Should daylight saving time stay or should it go? We turned the clock ahead just this past Saturday, which probably is why I'm so groggy. It's a perennial question that accompanies the ritual of changing the clocks an hour back in the fall and one hour forward in the spring, as we just did. In 2022, the Senate unanimously approved the Sunshine Protection Act, to keep daylight saving time permanent, meaning the clocks would no longer change twice per year. A similar bill remains stalled in the House. The current practice has been used for more than a century, but do the pros outweigh the cons? Doctors, sleep scientists, and average citizens across the nation have varied opinions on the matter. Maybe you do too. My guest this week, Dan Diamond, is a national health reporter for the Washington Post who has covered both the tug of war on Capitol Hill and other factors that inform this debate. Dan Diamond, welcome to the show.
2: Preet, thank you so much for having me. And on an issue that is so sunny compared to some, <laughs> you other know, topics like I that.
0: have noticed in your work, and I have read some of your your reporting on this. You like to use the the clock and
2: sleep and weather <laughs> puns. You are not, not shy about that. I'm not alone. I was, I was talking to a senator's uh, staff, Senator Markey, Ed Markey from Massachusetts, his staff, and we were debating whether this is the issue that gets the most puns. And, and they agreed. Senator Markey, every year, he comes up with new jokes about it. I think it lends itself, uh, especially given how dry so many things that come out of Congress are. Yes.
0: So we're recording this in advance, but at the time people will be hearing this, we have just turned the clocks forward. Is that daylight saving time or is that standard time? What are we in right now after we've put the clocks forward one hour?
2: Great question and a good place to start. As of mid-March, we are in daylight saving time. We have moved the clocks forward in an effort to, per the name, save more daylight, capture more daylight to go to school and have outdoor activities, to have outdoor cafes, to, to just live our lives in the sun more during the spring, summer, into the fall. Standard time is the, uh, the fallback, literally the fallback as, as the hours get pushed back um, in the winter, where it might be more sun in the middle of the day still, but uh, it's, it's more natural to our sleep schedules, doctors would argue. So
0: time is time, and depending on where you live, the sun sets at a certain time, depending on the season. If you live very up north, if you live in Alaska, there's not that much sunlight. What started this process or this ritual in the United States of moving the clocks twice a year? Why do that at all?
2: This really begins with the invention of time zones in the first place the railroads in the 1800s and telegraphs which began to crisscross the United States began to link us together in in real time you know pre, there's the saying having the trains run on time yeah. today it means being prompt uh, being reliable but back then the railroad companies were basing their schedules on dozens of different local times based on where the sun was in the sky. It's like, were there places that were like eight minutes ahead of other places? That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. New York and, and Washington were 10 minutes apart. Chicago was 19 minutes away from Columbus. So trains leaving these cities would run on the local time. And that just made for a hornet's nest of trying to schedule travel, shipping. And when did that when did that get reformed? That was the late 1800s. The railroad companies pushed for time zones, ones that we would recognize today: Eastern, Central, Mountain, and Pacific. And states generally went along. There is even an event uh, called the Day of Two Noons, the first formal time change, where Americans around the country spent a Sunday in November turning back their clocks to try to standardize them nationwide. Sounds like a good movie. <laughs> the day of, I think it <laughs> sounds like a horror movie. The day of two noons. Well, back then there there were folks who were horrified. It's just like any any change. There were people saying that this is gonna lead to anarchy. There are editorials written about the scourge of quote railroad time. There are holdouts. There are cities like Cleveland that ended up in uh the central time zone and fought to be in the eastern time zone. It's just fascinating stuff. I'd recommend a book called Seize the Daylight. Uh that that's where I'm getting some of this from.
0: That's another pun. I like that. Okay. So we have Time zone's now established. There's a little bit more uniformity in how we take account of time. In the U.S., where did this idea arise of turning the clock backwards or forwards in the spring and fall?
2: So 30 or 40 years into this time zone experiment with the railroads, there had been this second effort building about moving the time zones, moving or at least the, the clock an hour a day or some portion of the day to maximize sunlight. And that had stalled until... World War I. Congress got very interested in the time rules. There were claims that maximizing daylight would allow for more food production for the war effort or save fuel at night. So in March 1918, Congress passed what's known as the Standard Time Act. It formally turned those railroad time zones into regional clocks overseen by the government. And almost immediately began the first daylight saving time. A few weeks later, Th- those are rules that the Congress has amended several times since. But to underline the point, Preet, the U.S. Congress for about a century has effectively controlled the nation's time. Uh, maybe a scary thought when I put it like that. Well, better than the railroads, probably. A, a little more oomph and uh, enforcement behind the the railroads, for sure.
0: So I want to talk about the various ways that people want to change this potentially, and then get your expertise on who the stakeholders are, who cares about it, what the arguments are, pro and con. Now, one way you could do this is maintain the status quo. We roll the clocks forward an hour in the spring and back in the fall. So you have periods of time when the clock is a little bit different and there's more or less sunlight because we're doing this you know, manual act. And then you have to change the clock on your car because because the, cl- the car doesn't automatically change the time. That happens in my car, at least. Or you could decide as the Senate seems to have decided that you make daylight saving time permanent. So we maintain the time that we have now and we never change it again. And then other people say, we should make daylight standard time permanent. Describe what the difference is in each of those and who cares about doing what.
2: Sure, and and that third option, it wouldn't be daylight standard time, it would just be permanent standard time. Permanent standard time, sorry. And by the way, for the record, is it daylight
0: saving time or daylight savings time?
2: It is saving. I I wrestled with this as the reporter who did not want to make the mistake, but you are saving daylight. That's the way to think about it. Okay,
0: all right. So let's go through the three options.
2: Okay, so let's let's talk about about those options. But first, starting with the push for permanent daylight time, which, as you've noted, passed the Senate unanimously last year. Somewhat in a fluke, preet. I, I I think it's hard to. Boil this down, but essentially, senators used a procedural move to get this through very, very quickly in a way that surprised some lawmakers who said they didn't even know this vote was coming. So, while it passed unanimously, it was because some creative staffers uh, short-circuited the debate process. At whose behest? At whose behest? This was a bipartisan effort. So, Senator Marco Rubio, the Florida. Uh, but are
0: there are, are there outside interests that had a big stake in this bill getting passed, or not?
2: There our groups uh, retail associations (laughs) the golf uh, lobby in florida specifically that have made the argument the more daylight we have all year round the more we will be able to play outdoors go shopping it will benefit commerce it will save fuel like all the arguments that have kind of kicked around with daylight saving time for years and and the theory would be if this was something that states could take advantage of all year round Many would choose, if not all, would choose to opt in and maximize uh, the sunlight for their their residents. So Marco Rubio in Florida and some other Florida lawmakers have really pushed for this. But this is not this is not partisan. Sa- uh, Senator Patty Murray, the top Washington state Democrat, is a major advocate. Ed Markey in Massachusetts Democrat has has pushed. It's
0: like the, the various corners of the United States.
2: It would benefit some of the corner states more than some of the central states based on where the sun is. And let's put a pin on that and get back to that in a second. But this this push for permanent daylight time made its way through the Senate last year. It was a big win for these advocates, um, but almost immediately paused in the House. And that's partly because of the second option, permanent standard time. Doctors have argued, uh, sleep medicine specialists have said, it is not natural for us to be going on daylight time at all. If it was up to our natural circadian rhythms, we would be on standard time year-round. We would not make this shift. And lawmakers debating uh, taking next steps last year were inundated with complaints from these physicians, from some voters who said, we don't want to be on daylight time, from people in cities like Detroit, where if you shift to permanent daylight time in the winter, that means the sun might not be coming up until after 9 a.m. There oh, would be kids. That's terrible. <laughs> and I'm not a scientist nor a sleep lobbyist. But you are a, a parent, right? And if you're yes, a parent sending your kid to school, waiting for the school bus in the dark. I mean, by 9 a.m., they're, they're in like second period. The way things are now. Maybe we'd have to shift everything yeah. in, in, a, in a daylight world. We also had tried permanent daylight time about 50 years ago during the Nixon administration. This was an experiment that failed quickly. Within months, there were all kinds of anecdotal complaints, uh, reports of car accidents where kids waiting for school buses were, were run into or groggy drivers uh, ma- making um, mistakes. So the Congress moved quickly 50 years ago to get rid of permanent daylight time. And that's an argument that lawmakers brought up to me last year. They said, look, we tried this 50 years ago. It failed. We're not sure of the right path forward. So that brings us to the status quo where we move forward, we move the clocks forward for the spring and summer and into the fall, move them back, it's not a perfect system, but it's seen as the best compromise in a large country where depending on where you live, you may benefit from some daylight hours in the spring and, and you might lose some uh, based on the system in the fall. Can I ask a dumb question? There are some places in the United States,
0: even within a state, where the time change sometimes doesn't happen. So Arizona, can you explain Arizona to me? Because I was there and I didn't know what time it was once.
2: <laughs> was that because of the time zone change or was that like a political thing?
0: No, 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 it's <laughs> time zone change.
2: <laughs> so there are two states that have opted out of daylight saving time, Hawaii. You can do that? You can do that. You can do that under our current system. You don't have to shift and maximize daylight. Hawaii and Arizona. So they 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 are immune from all of this. What the bill debated in Congress would do is continue to let those states opt out if they want. But many more states have said, we just want to move to daylight time all year round. And right now, under the current rules, they can't do that.
0: And how do other countries handle this?
2: It's a variety of, of tactics. I, I think, first, other countries don't have the same challenges we do in the US, Pre, You mentioned Alaska. Right. We're very uh, I mean, big. We're big. We're broad. We, we cover all these different times. This is
0: not a problem in Liechtenstein?
2: <laughs> if it is, it hasn't come to the attention of the Washington or, or, or Vatican, or
0: Vatican City? The, the one time zone.
2: Yeah. yeah. There, there are countries that have um, smaller challenges, frankly, when it comes to daylight saving. But, but some have experimented with permanent daylight. Uh, others do the shift as well. And I think you've written about Mexico. What, didn't Mexico do away with the changing of times? Uh, Mexico did last year move forward with this. And they they had their own debate but it went out there and some lawmakers in the US have said if Mexico can do it why can't we
0: so i know you're a journalist and you're neutral but could you provide some sense of which arguments are more meritorious than other arguments or is it just a matter of different constituencies feel different things about
2: the matter that's a great question you're you're asking a post reporter to go on the record with who's <laughs> got this right
0: yeah i am and 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 barring that you know some you can dodge it but give me give us some sense of of at least how the various constituencies and their arguments are
2: faring. If you ask the average American, do you like changing the time? Overwhelmingly, the answer is no. People hate it. You're groggy twice a year. Uh, it's, it's confusing. You might miss But some is, is, do they hate, because I hadn't really thought about it in this
0: way. What I'm annoyed by just as a person who uh, luxuriates in sleep and doesn't get enough of it, I don't like the changing of the time. It's confusing. Uh, it, it messes up schedules. Um, but I had not given deep thought to to which time we should have permanently, permanent standard time or daylight saving time. With respect to those two options, how do the arguments fare and, and how should we think about it?
2: The arguments for permanent daylight time are strong from a, we all could benefit from more sunlight. I love in the spring, once I've gotten over my initial grogginess, that we can eat out later at night that uh, there, there's more time to go for a run through Rock Creek Park here in D.C. So I, I love the extra sunlight. But I take the argument from the sleep physicians because I'm, I'm a health reporter that this is just ultimately not natural and especially not in the winter. The the trade-off to me, the current system we have, the compromise, I've talked to folks like Josh Barrow about this. To me, the compromise is the best approach. Um, and, and there are... Folks who have studied this for years, the author of that book, "Seize the Daylight," has essentially made the same argument. This is the guy who's who's the greatest uh, historian of daylight saving time in the country. We we can't make a solution that will work for everybody. So how do we make this compromise work the best? Congress has over the years lengthened the amount of time that we've been in daylight saving. I do have my own personal theory. <laughs> tell, which, tell us as a reporter i feel a little little weird talking about it because you're you're right i'm i'm not supposed to have bias but i think i think the compromise makes sense i would just change how we do it so we we change time it takes effect essentially sunday mornings and then we go back to the work on monday i would move it a day earlier so the time shift happens so you get the whole
0: benefit of the weekend
2: and then i would add i, I would time it to a 3 day weekend so mondays would be whatever federal holiday in the spring and the fall. And that way we, we just have that much longer to adjust to the time change that might do away with some of the grogginess and accidents and, and, uh, other health problems that we see. I think I would vote for you, man. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. I saw someone else in
0: your writing had suggested a, dif- a different compromise, which is changing the clock twice a year, but only half an hour. What do you make of that?
2: Well, no, no. So it was, it was a little different. It was uh, oh. Frank Frank Pallone, who at the time was the chair of the House committee that oversees this. He said, let's just meet in the middle. We'll move it 30 oh, do minutes. it one time. Do it one yeah. time
0: and have that right. Have that yeah. right. Is that Does that have any chance of success?
2: No. Um, okay. It, it's, it's like a Washington compromise, but it would make no one happy.
0: Can I ask a dumb question?
2: You keep Can saying, saying it's, that. It's your it's, podcast.
0: <laughs> ask whatever question you want. <laughs> if it's a dumb question that doesn't merit an answer, then we'll just cut it out of this thing. So we spent all this time thinking about changing the time. Has there any thought been given to, for schools and workplaces, when the days get shorter and the days get longer, to accordingly change the work schedule or the school schedule? Why do we have to go to school and go to work at the same time, 365 days in the
2: year? Does that make sense? That's a great question. Oh, good. (laughs) I think what you're getting to is... Can we be more flexible in how we think about schooling, about work? And and part of this debate is bound up in teenagers who are waking up at hours that are not natural for them moving up the time in the spring is is even worse. I'm I'm sure you have some listeners who, yeah. who will know this. The teenagers who didn't want to get up anyway and now you're waking them up an hour earlier because of the spring forward. I I don't think that is being seriously considered this this flexible schedule you're talking about because frankly as as covid showed, we don't have that amount of creativity among <laughs> we, among leadership. I mean, we don't. We we could have taken this this is a tangent, but I've covered covid a lot more than I've covered daylight saving. There could have been a more creative approach to, say, in, uh, in-person education during COVID, where you get the movie theaters that nobody's using or the uh, auditoriums that would have been used for, for business conferences that were canceled. And you, you bring kids back, but do it in a more spaced out way. And of course, nobody really engaged with that idea seriously. So I just don't think American education is prepared to move its schedule uh, as flexibly as the sleep medicine doctors would like.
0: So I I think I know the answer to this because you've hinted at it in describing what the current landscape is with
2: respect to legislation, but make a prediction. Do you think anything will change in the next year or two? Uh, Next year, no, and I'll tell you why. Next two or three years, maybe. Next year, we are still waiting on an analysis that Congress outsourced essentially to the Department of Transportation. It's just kicking the can down the road. The Department of Transportation oversees time zones. The the transportation department has said we're going to come back Wait to you. Wait a minute, just,
0: I'm going to need to interrupt you. So so Pete Buttigieg is going to decide time. <laughs> I mean I I have a lot of respect for the guy. <laughs> that's it's a big responsibility.
2: Yeah, look look for the Fox News segment uh, any minute on <laughs> on uh, Buttigieg and and um, our calendars at and peril. But the the Department of Transportation oversees these time zones. It's it's not setting the time again. That's Congress's responsibility. But because of transportation intersecting with shipping business et cetera, it falls to dot and they have promised congress an analysis by the end of 2023 so my prediction is no one in congress is going to want to move until that analysis has come and that way they can they can put some blame on dot if if the transportation department says a certain path makes sense but down the road could we see movement sure i mean i was i was surprised when the senate passed this bill last year, I know folks in the House and the White House were surprised because I immediately went to my sources and asked, what do you think is going to happen? And they, they were shocked by the passage. So this has been a legislative debate uh, that has simmered, but there there have been surprises and breakthroughs in the past. I I think it's possible we could see that again. Dan Diamond, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. See
0: what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> I say that to every guest, but it has special
2: import and meaning given this conversation. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Well, Preet, thanks for having me. I'm going to spring uh, forward with a- Okay. A, All in right. Up, thanks That's enough. Thanks, Dan.
0: For more analysis of legal and political issues making the headlines, become a member of the Cafe Insider. Members get access to exclusive content, including the weekly podcast I co-host with former U.S. attorney, Joyce Vance. Head to cafe.com slash insider to sign up for a trial. to letters at Cafe.com. Stay Tuned is presented by CAFE and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tamara Sepper. The technical director is David Tattashore. The senior producer is Adam Waller. The editorial producers are Sam Ozer-Staten and Noah Azulay. The audio producer is Nat Wiener. And the CAFE team is Matthew Billy, David Kurlander, Jake Kaplan, Namata Shah, and Claudia Hernandez. Our music is by Andrew Dost. I'm your host, Preet Barara. Stay tuned.